Grace and peace to you this morning. We're so glad that you're here today on the Lord's Day. And again, uh, as already been mentioned, we have a, a potluck meal afterwards, some chili and soup. hope that everyone gets to stay for that, especially if you're a visitor. If you have a Bible, you might be turning to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to wrap up our series on mission this morning, but um, we need to understand that mission doesn't stop here. We're concluding this story, but the, or this um, series, but uh, mission is something that we're to be about uh, all the time. Uh, this, is, this is what we are to do as a church. Something else here, if you haven't picked up one of these, I would encourage you to do so. There's a stack of them in the back, and I've got more that we can replenish that stack, so don't worry about uh, taking too many. But pick one of these up for yourselves, put it on your refrigerator or somewhere else. You'll be reminded that later this month we're conducting a seminar, Living as a Christian in a Secular Age. We've got two great speakers who are going to be coming in to talk about this important subject on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Also, if you uh, can hand this out to people, if you can distribute this in the community, we would love for you to do so. That would help us out. Luke chapter 19, let's begin reading in verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He, was gone, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The very last line of this story sums up what it is all about. Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so as we've learned over the last few weeks, Jesus is a man on a mission. And as Jesus is walking the streets of Jericho, he encounters Zacchaeus, who is a chief tax collector. Uh, That's important. He's not just an ordinary tax collector. He is chief. He is really good at his job. He has climbed the company ladder, which in this case means working for the Roman government. And so he is aligned with the empire that has conquered Israel. And he's now collecting taxes from them. Imagine if you not only had to pay your own taxes to your own homeland, but you also had to pay taxes to a foreign government on top of that. This is what's going on in Israel. And we learn that Zacchaeus is a man who has become quite rich by taking money from the poor. And so in Israel, some of the money that you paid for taxes, they would have gone to Herod and they would have gone to helping rebuild the temple. Some of it would have gone to Rome. And some of it would have gone 
to the tax collector himself. And so Zacchaeus made his money by taking it from poor people. And it's because of this and also his alliance with the Roman government that he is viewed as an outcast. He is unclean. He is a sinner. And so if you were to consider, you know, who would be a good candidate for conversion in the first century? Zacchaeus would not be anywhere near the top. He he wouldn't be on the radar of most faithful Jews. He would be dismissed as someone who has willfully, willfully aligned himself with the enemy and has also willfully robbed the poor. And yet we learn that this man is seeking Jesus. Notice what Luke tells us in verse 3. And he, that is Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was. Now we already know that Jesus was seeking the loss, but here we learn that Zacchaeus is seeking Jesus as well. And when we are on mission, we must be open to what's happening all around us. We cannot dismiss people. We cannot make judgments about people because those very people may be searching. They may be seeking, and we don't even know it. Lots of people had dismissed Zacchaeus. And yet Zacchaeus himself was on a mission to learn more about Jesus. One reason we might not be succeeding at mission is because we're blind to the opportunities that God has placed in front of us. And so we may have people in our life at this very moment who are seeking and we're not aware of it. And we must remember that we are always on mission. We're on mission when we're at work. We're on mission when we're with our friends. We're on mission when we're going out to eat or when we're visiting with a neighbor. And we have no idea how God might use the, the conversations and, and, and the actions um, to open a door to someone who's seeking Jesus. So before we go much further, we need to recognize how Jesus is doing mission. Because when we think of mission, we typically think of far-off places. You know, if you look in our bulletin this morning, you'll notice that we support several missionaries, missionaries in Africa, Greece, New Zealand. Modern Christians in America tend to think of missions as something where we send a person to a far-off land and we support them financially. And so our involvement in missions is simply we just you know, write a check. We give to the church, and that's how we do missions. Well, those are good things. You know, they, they are biblical things. We actually see that in the Bible, people taking a collection, helping missionaries. And we need to be sending missionaries all over the world. But at the same time, we need to recognize that we are living in a mission field ourselves. And if we don't do anything about it, people in Africa and people in Asia will be sending missionaries to America before we know it. Let me just give you a few statistics so you'll understand the challenges that we're facing. 17% of Americans attend weekly worship. 
This means four out of five people you work with, four out of five people you live near, uh, four out of five of your neighbors are not attending worship on a regular basis at all. It may be a little better because we live in Texas, but this is a national statistic here, and that's the reality of the world that we live in. 37% of millennials, these are people um, around the age of 35 and younger, are not sure if there is a God. They are irreligious. They've grown up in a secular culture. Uh, The church has failed them. Their parents have failed them. And now they don't believe in anything. From 2013 to 2015, the percentage of Americans who qualify as post-Christian rose 7%. And so these are people who do not participate in church. Uh, They may not believe in God. Faith is not important in their lives. They do not read their Bible. They do not pray. The American church is in crisis. The mission field is here on American soil. We don't have to go to Africa. We don't have to go to Asia, South America to share the gospel. We need to be sharing the gospel with people in our own communities. The question we need to ask ourselves is, you know, what am I aiming for? And, and, you know, this question might vary depending on the stage of life that we're in. For instance, if you're in high school, you might be aiming to get into a certain college. If you're a young adult, you might be aiming for a certain career. If you're middle-aged, then you might be aiming for retirement. And there's nothing wrong with any of these goals. The problem is is that we make these goals our primary goals. And so these are the goals that guide our actions and decisions each and every day. They shape the trajectory of our life. And this is not good because these goals here are too small. And we're not aiming high enough. Our goals are not big enough. We should be aiming for eternity. And if our main goal in life was to be like Jesus and to live with God for eternity, then we would be a people on mission. It's not too late to make an impact on our culture. Jesus changed the world by asking 12 flawed men to follow him. And for three years, that's basically what he had. He had 12 disciples who were very close to him. You know, at the most, uh, you know, there's 120 people on the day of Pentecost there. That's it. And, And the mission that was given to them, it's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And now it's been given to us. And no one else is going to do the job that we have been charged with. It's up to us. We must seek the lost. We must serve others. We must share the good news because if we don't, no one else will. And one of the problems with mission is I think a lot of us, we're just not sure what to do. And so we may feel inadequate about talking to people about the Bible or we may think that you know, we need to be trained first before we share the gospel with anyone. And the truth is, we just need to be open. We just need to trust God. 
And so when Jesus encounters Zacchaeus, he, he doesn't lecture him about God. He doesn't set out to share all kinds of facts and knowledge with him. Instead, he does this. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And so what Jesus does is he asks to stay at Zacchaeus' house. And he wants to share a meal with this chief tax collector. So being on mission is not about knowing everything about the Bible. The disciples, for instance, were not studious men who spent their days poring over the law. They were fishermen. They worked with their hands. Being on mission is as simple as having someone over for dinner. This is how Jesus did it. He ate with Zacchaeus. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. He shared meals with people. And all of us can do this. We simply invite a person to share a meal with us. We listen to them and we trust that God is involved in what we're doing. You might be wondering if something like this can work. You know, we see that it worked in Jesus' day. We read that in the Bible. But what about today? Let me share with you the story of Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, She was a professor at Syracuse University from 1992 to 2002, where she taught feminist theory and queer theory. And she had written a book on these subjects. She was a tenured professor. She was in a committed lesbian relationship. She was an activist. She was the furthest thing from a Christian that you could imagine. But all of that changed when a Christian family opened their home to her and they invited her over for weekly meals. Not for Bible study or anything else. They just said, come over and share a meal with us every week. And eventually, she was converted. And she later wrote a book entitled, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Now, her conversion did not happen overnight. It took more than a year. But she credits hospitality as the thing that made her conversion possible. She says without that, she would still be lost today. She became a Christian because someone invited her to a meal. Mission is as simple as this. Pray for God to send someone your way. Be aware and open to people who are seeking and searching. Invite them to share a meal with you, maybe at your home, maybe at a restaurant. Home is the best, but you know, if you're not comfortable with that, go to a restaurant, go to a coffee shop. Listen to them. When the time is right, share your experience with God and church with them, and that's it. You know, of course, there are other things that you can do, but it can be as simple as that, and, and this is something that all of us can do. So as Jesus was walking the streets of Jericho, he noticed a man in a tree, and he asked to be a guest in his home. 
And because of this, Zacchaeus found salvation. Jesus did not do anything extraordinary that day. He did not perform a miracle. He did not heal a lame man or give a blind man sight. He did not deliver a marvelous speech. He simply noticed who was in his presence. And he made arrangements to share a meal together. And this was enough for a chief tax collector to repent of his sins and to give his life to God. We've been given the task of mission. And we need to understand that mission is not about us. It's not about who we are. It's not about what we can do. Mission is about God. And we are simply his vessels. And he'll use us if we let him. And so the next time you encounter someone who is uh, seeking answers to spiritual questions or has some spiritual need, you know, don't worry about how qualified you may or may not be. Instead, be faithful in that moment. Be a friend to them. Listen to them. Show them hospitality. Open your door and open your heart and allow God to work in that situation because God is seeking people just like you and me. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll be with everyone here this morning as we leave this building, as we go out to seek the lost and we go out to serve others and share the gospel with people. Be with us as we show hospitality to our neighbors and our co-workers and the people that we meet. Be with us as we open our homes and invite people to our table. Be with us as we have conversations with people who are seeking something in their lives, something bigger than what they have at this moment. Father, we know that you are faithful in all things. And we pray that uh, you'll be with us as we strive to follow in your son's footsteps and to be like Jesus, who is on mission everywhere he went. We pray this in his name. Amen.